0: Little Blue left you on a little bit of a cliffhanger, so let me tell you that he does hear Papa's song. (laughs) I don't know why the last page was left out, (laughs) but he does hear Papa's song in the deep darkness, so don't worry about Little Blue. Let us go to God and hear his words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of those who don't have faith, so they couldn't see the light of the gospel that reveals Christ's glory. Christ is the image of God. We don't preach about ourselves. Instead, we preach about Jesus Christ as Lord. And we describe ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. God said that light should shine out of the darkness. He is the same one who shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay pots so that the awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. We are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but we aren't depressed. We are harassed, but we aren't abandoned. We are knocked down, but we aren't knocked out. So we aren't depressed. But even if our bodies are breaking down on the outside, the person that we are on the inside is being renewed every day. Our temporary problems are producing an internal stockpile of glory for us that is beyond all comparison. We don't focus on the things that can be seen, but on the things that can't be seen. The things that can't be seen don't last. But the the things that can be seen don't last, but the things that can't be seen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord thanks be to God one of Jeremy and I's favorite new shows is called taskmaster I don't know if any of you've heard of it it's a um, UK show and we watch it on YouTube because that's what we do now and um, they're given it's about a, a group of comedians and they're given a series of tasks that they have to complete and um, at the end of the day they win a prize that other the other contestants have brought in so they're You know, sometimes as silly as a miniature chair, and sometimes they're as great as trips to other places in the world. But the truth is, the real competition is just to see who can be better at this little task. Last night, we watched one that was called the Egg Challenge. Now, they were given, every contestant was given three things. They were given a ream of paper, a few pens, and a raw egg. And the goal of this task was for them to get the egg as high as they could. Now, it doesn't say how long it has to be in the air or if it has to be in the air at all. It just says that the egg cannot break. The egg breaks, they lose. And so each comedian took a different tact of how to get this egg up in the air. The first one couldn't figure out anything to do, so he just stuck all the pieces of paper on the table and put the pens on top and then stuck the egg on top and said, high enough. The second comedian took all of the pieces of paper and rolled them up into a big tube and then made like a little egg cup, but they weren't given any tape. So this, while it looked like a great idea, turned out to be catastrophic, because as you can imagine, as soon as they put the egg into the little paper egg cup, pff, the whole tower falls over. And because the egg broke, they lost. The last three comedians didn't bother with the paper or the pen. They decided that the task said that it just had to be high. It didn't matter how long the egg was in the air or how long it was up high. And so all three of them decided to throw their eggs into the air. They were just going to throw the egg up in the air and catch it, right? That seems simple enough. Toss, catch. We do that every day of our lives. And so the first comedian throws her egg up in the air and because there's a table in front of her, cannot reach it. So she throws it up in the air and watches as it falls deep onto the ground and breaks into lots of pieces. The second comedian decides to go outside and he creates for his little egg a cup of paper. He takes the whole ream of paper and crumples it around the egg to give it a little pocket of protection. Now, if you are an engineer, you know where this is going. He throws the egg up into the air, catches it, and is so proud that his egg is intact until he opens the paper to find scrambled egg on the inside. The paper wasn't soft enough. The last comedian, a uh, comedian whose name is Josh, does the opposite. He takes all of the paper and wads it up into little pieces and throws it on the ground. To create sort of like a mattress for the egg, I think, was his goal. That it would cushion the egg when it, if it, when he were to drop it. And Josh is also, by the way, the shortest of all the comedians. So he has a little bit more of an um, obstacle to get over. And he throws the egg up in the air. And like everyone else, misses the egg. Completely. And not only does Josh miss the egg, he misses the paper that he spent all that time crumbling up. He had a half an hour So we spent 28 minutes of it crumbling paper. Misses all of the paper. And what do you think happens? No, the egg does not break. They can't figure it out. The producers, Josh, can't figure out why the egg didn't break. And the producers can't figure out why the egg didn't break. And Josh, for some ridiculous reason, picks up the egg and throws it again. If it didn't break the first time, maybe I can get it higher the second time, right? He throws the egg up in the air again, same thing happens. Drops the egg, misses the paper completely, and the egg still stays intact. So other than Ramesh, the first comedian who did absolutely nothing with his egg, Josh is the only one to successfully complete the task. Nobody could figure out why. Why didn't this egg break? It should have broken. It was thrown pretty forcefully up into the air at a great distance. It fell down on the ground, just like everybody else's eggs. Why didn't it break? It turns out because it was landing on grass. And chicken eggs, for whatever reason, are designed not to break when they hit grass. It's the only substance that doesn't, that cushions the egg in a way that will stop it from breaking. And so, because he messed up completely and missed his target completely, his egg remained intact. Now, he didn't do anything different. He didn't do anything different than anybody else in that task did. It just so happened that he happened to be in the right place to soften his landing. It wasn't that he was special or different or more clever or that he was wiser or better at engineering or the structure or used the materials better it was simply that his location was perfectly designed to prevent his egg from breaking now paul could have used an egg as his metaphor if he chose it would have been a good one And maybe chickens aren't native to israel i didn't look that up <laughs> maybe they're not and so maybe eggs weren't on the top of his list But he chose instead the clay pot. Now a clay jar in the Middle East in the first century would have been as common to us as a plastic cup. That was all they had. It was their everyday wear. They literally used clay pots for everything. Grains and water and carrying clothes in and washing clothes in. Clay pots were their life. So it's an everyday thing. It's a little hard for us to picture that because for us, clay pots are highly valuable and important because they're, all hand, they're handmade, right? When you receive a handmade clay pot or a handmade clay bowl and you feel the weight of the actual clay and you think about how someone spent time making that clay item for you, we forget that for those people in those times, clay pots were dispensable. It's the first thing you find in every archeological dig. In fact, they often throw them away because they have no value. But they do. I vividly remember a time when I was a child that my mother took a bowl out of the dishwasher and she dropped it on the floor and it broke into many pieces. And she sat down and she cried over this bowl. Not because it was important or valuable. She couldn't resell it. She couldn't. Nobody made it for her. It wasn't a handmade, special, broken bowl. It was just that it was important because she fed her family in that bowl. Paul reminds us that the function of an item isn't as important as its fragility. He doesn't tell us about the clay pots because he wants us to think about being everyday or because he thinks we should be stronger or more durable, but instead to remind us that even the everyday is fragile, even the everyday, the things that we take for granted as everyday, as simple things are fragile. It was one year ago today that was our last worship service as a congregation in this sanctuary. And though we all knew something was coming, I don't think we knew how fragile that every day was. That we could lose it in an instant. The every day is fragile. And it's something we take for granted far too often. But Paul also reminds us that even if it's fragile, that doesn't mean it will break. doesn't mean that because the clay pot can break, that it will. You see, there's two things that keep that clay pot from breaking. One is the things that are inside of the pot. If you've ever dropped a full bowl of items, uh, anything really, You realize that the items inside of the jar protect the jar. When you go to move, the first thing you do is stuff everything fragile full of newspaper so it doesn't break. It's not the wrapping around the outside of the newspaper that keeps that that item protected. It's all of that stuff on the inside. It's all that paper you've wadded up on the inside that keeps it from breaking. I can't tell you how many times we've opened a box to find a handle broken off of a jar and the jar fully intact. The stuff that's inside the jar protects it. And also, the stuff outside the jar where it lands protects it. If you drop an item on one spot, it will break. If you drop an item on the other spot, it might survive. And so circumstances in which we find ourselves, the timing of which we find ourselves, the heights, the depths, the widths of those items are important. And it doesn't have anything to do with a pot. It's the same pot. Now this has been a difficult year. It has been for all of us. It's been difficult. There's been lots of things that have felt fragile. That have felt like they've broken beyond repair. We all know, we've all experienced how fragile church can be how much we've taken for granted the laughter of one another, the voices that we hear repeat our prayers together. But it's not just our church that has experienced those things. It's easy if we look around our community to feel like we're alone in some of the decisions we've made, but if you look around at a little wider view, you'll find that we're not alone. There was a survey released just yesterday by the Pew Research Center, which surveyed churches and asked them what they were doing during the pandemic. And a full 68% of churches are still completely virtually online. Another 20% of churches have a hybrid model, much like we've been doing, and only 12% of churches nationally never closed. It's easy to feel like we're alone. But our value that we chose for this church was safety. And it was care for one another. And as we reflected yesterday, nobody in our church got sick. They got sick, but it wasn't here. And that was our value we chose. And maybe that made us a little more fragile on the outside, but it kept our contents intact. And kept us strong. The Second Vatican Council puts it this way that the church is fundamentally, at its core, a sacrament, a mystery. That it's not an institution, it's not about the places we gather, but that we gather. That it's our contents, our people, the inside of us that makes us strong, that prevents us from breaking. And it's not just the church and the things in our society that we've lost this year. We've all lost individually a lot. We've lost rites and passages that we normally take for granted. Things like our junior year of high school and all of its events. Things like the birth of a new baby we can't visit or someone who dies alone because we are not allowed to be there to hold their hand. We've lost that. We've all of us lost relationships or changed relationships to the point where they feel fragile or feel like they might be broken upon, uh, broken beyond repair. It's not just because of the virus, but it is often because of choices that we've made, values that we've put forward that are in conflict with one another. And it makes us feel fragile. We've all of us lost a sense of safety and security. We take for granted going to the grocery store. And the first time that we went and we forgot our mask and then went back to the car to find it, we were reminded that we weren't as safe and secure as we thought we were. We've lost that. And so we're all feeling a little broken. And maybe you aren't feeling as broken as the person next to you, or maybe you're feeling more broken than the person next to you, but none of it has to do with your pot. The way that you've absorbed this loss, the way that you've navigated through this year has nothing to do with your strength or your personal ability to handle chaos or your personal ability to deal with change or anything that has to do with you at all. It just is that we all feel broken. So what do you do when you feel broken? What do you do when you feel fragile? What do you do when you feel like you can't put yourself together again? Well, Paul tells us a few things. One is that suffering and pain and loss is a part of our experience. It's part of our humanity. We are all of us fragile clay pots. And we all of us have a lifespan And we, all of us, wake up every day feeling in our minds like we're 22 and in our bodies like we're getting older. I woke up this morning and I couldn't sit up because my back hurt, right? (laughs) We're all of us in fragile clay pots and it's part of life. And I want you to hear me carefully. You do not need to seek out suffering on behalf of your faith. There are people who tell you that if you don't suffer, that if you don't feel hardship, that if you don't experience a faith that is defined by how hard you work, then you are not really faith. That is not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that pain and suffering and loss will find you. You don't have to look for it. It's part of life. And so we must ignore those lies that tell us that if only our faith were stronger, if only we were better people, then we wouldn't suffer so hard. Maybe if we were stronger, then maybe we wouldn't be feeling so broken. Maybe if, or maybe if I just felt like I worked harder at this, then I'd have more faith. That's not how it works. Faith is a gift from God. And it is nothing you can earn. And it is nothing you can lose because you are not strong enough. So we have to ignore the voice in our head that tells us those lies. Paul tells us that faith is hard, that it should make us uncomfortable. That if we're too comfortable in our faith, then we aren't growing deeper in our relationship with God. And that doesn't mean that you have to suffer. It just means that if you are finding the answers too easily, then maybe you need to look deeper. Maybe you need to acknowledge your brokenness. Maybe you need to acknowledge that you are cracked in order for the light to shine through. We're all of us good at ignoring that voice. We're all of us good at ignoring the part that says that we are broken too, just like you know that other person. Or maybe you need to ignore the voice that tells you you're too broken for light to find its way in, that you're too dark, that you're too empty for the light to shine in. Maybe that's what you need to ignore. And listen instead to the voice of God, which says, You are my beloved child, and you're fragile, but I'm the grass that's going to catch you. Because you were made for me. When we're feeling broken, we need to remember that we are full of contents that will keep us from shattering. You may break, you may get bruised, your paint may wear off, you may over time lose a handle that needs to be glued back on. But you are full of contents that will keep you from breaking. You got God's grace when you were baptized and that will fill you up. And so listen to that voice. And remember that you fall on grass, that you are surrounded by a community of other imperfect, broken people who may be able to lend you a handle when you need it, that you are surrounded by blades of grass that will catch you when you fall. All you have to do is look and be ready. We're all of us broken. We're all of us fragile, but we're all of us full of God's grace and love. And so we will not break, at least not all the way. And when we do feel broken, we have a community that will stitch us back together. And will glue those pieces into a new shape, into a new kind of pot. So we cannot be broken all the way. Amen.
1: I'm born. My heart is heavy of am a bro. just won't From the ashes of a broken life, and all that's dead inside, can be reborn. Cause I'm worn, my prayers are where it is. Yeah, I'm worn, even before the day begins. My will to fight I'm worn, So heaven can come And flood my eyes Let me see redemption win Let me know the struggle ends That you can mend a heart That's frail and torn I wanna know a song